Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is the Relentless Daring Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Morgan, and here we are engaged in the relentless, daring pursuit of truth, justice, and American jackassery. And I would just like to start this episode with a very, very special congratulations to Ms. Rachel Lanford of St. Louis, Missouri. You see, on... June, or July the 11th, 7-11, while visiting a 7-11, at 7-11 p.m., Ms. Lanford gave birth to Jamie Brown, who came in at, weighed in at 7 pounds, 11 ounces. Yes, a 7-11 baby, which I'm surprised that her that the baby's name or nickname isn't Little Slurpee because it was 7-Eleven Day. Again, born on 7-Eleven at a 7-Eleven at 7-Eleven p.m. with a weight of 7 pounds, 11 ounces. So again, congratulations to the Lanford family. I am so, so proud for them that, you know, healthy baby, and it's an interesting story, nonetheless. So, uh, so getting into the getting into it today. Uh, today we're going to be covering a number of things. As soon as I get my list pulled up here, we're going to be covering the politiza- politicization of child deaths in or around the border. Um. I don't know why. Everything's going stupid here. Oh, my gosh. We're going to be talking about a Supreme Court ruling where they did not rule the way we want, but the opinion issued by Neil Gorsuch does raise some questions in the, you know, going towards uh, not so much delegation of authority by Congress and other branches of government. We're going to look at the seeming implosion of the Democrat caucus in Congress. And let's see what we got here. Ah, yes. And in the way of American jackassery, nearly one million people have joined an event uh, looking to raid Area 51. So we're going. To, that's what we're going to get into today. So again, welcome to the land of bourbon, bad decisions. Let's get to it. All 
right, so one of the big things that's been going on lately is uh, been really getting hit up in the news is deaths by migrants coming across the border. Um, and on Friday, uh, CNN World posted a story, a headline, This six-year-old from India died in the Arizona desert. She loved dancing and dreamed of meeting her dad. Uh, this is uh, written by Sugan Pakarel and Catherine uh, Soichet. Soiche, uh, they're CNN writers. I got this post Friday. Um, so you have a man who he came to the United States several years ago as a refugee from India because uh, he is a Sikh. And the Sikhs are fairly heavily persecuted by the, uh, the Hindi National Party of India. And so he came to the United States to seek uh, refugee status or seek asylum. And although he had not yet been granted asylum, his wife and daughter, they saved up the money. They flew to Mexico. And you know they used smugglers to try to get them across the border in Arizona through the desert not going through a port of entry. And, you know, it got really hot. The The smugglers just left them where they lay in the desert. Uh, the mom left her little girl with some other children and went to go find water. And when she got back, her daughter was unresponsive, and she and her daughter, she and her daughter's remains were found the next day by border patrol. And yeah, there's people on the left who are using stories like this, these absolute tragic events, to you know to beat down the right, to beat down Donald Trump, uh, to make arguments against the laws that we have in the books because we, why we have, we have laws in place for a reason. It's to prevent these sorts of tragedies. And my heart goes out to this girl's mother, to this girl's father in New York city, to her grandparents, back in northern India who were absolutely devastated. Uh, interview with her grandfather. Quote, we are devastated. To lose a child is not easy for anyone, but this is just too painful. End quote. Uh, the 70-year-old Gurmet Singh uh, is the girl's grandfather. And again, it's she, there's probably a way she could have gone to the American embassy in India to apply for asylum there. Now, I don't know for sure. I have not said all the ins and outs, I'm, so I'm going to put that up front. But instead, they took the money they had, they flew to Mexico, and instead of of going to a port of entry. She 
bought into all the hype that she would not be allowed through, would not be allowed through, that she was just going to get sent back to India. She went to the border and was claiming asylum. And then, you know, all the, all the stuff that the left puts out, which I'm going to get to that in a second. But instead, she pays a coyote. Who doesn't give a damn about her or her child? He wants his money. He got her across the border. And he said, see ya. I did my job. And this is where the largest problem of migrants dying comes from. It's not because they are abused at the hands of ICE agents. It's not that they get horrible treatment while in these detention facilities. It's that you have coyotes who only care about one thing, and that's making their buck. They don't care what they do. They will pack 100 people into the back of a semi-trailer and drive it across the border into Nogales, into Texas, into Yuma, Arizona, into California. And they leave it because someone else is going to come and pop the seal and let them out. Who cares if it's 120 degrees inside that big metal box? as long as they get paid and the the human toll that it takes is just absolutely ungodly uh, another thing they talk about people who die while in custody um, I was just kind of going through some of the reports from 2018 and so far in 2019 there are people who committed suicide while in custody of these ICE uh, detention facilities. And you read through the medical history, and when asked if they're going to kill themselves, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. I, I'm, I'm not going to hurt myself. I'm not going to hurt anyone else. No, 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 I'm not going to hurt anyone else. I'm fine. And then the next day, they're found, they're found hanging from, you know, from their bed sheets. But, you know, you have people like AOC coming out and going, you know, oh, my God, they're not getting the proper behavioral health. As a person with PTSD, as a person with PTSD who went years without treatment and just dealt with the symptoms, if they do not ask for help, they will not get the help they need. I Again, I say this from experience. Been there, done that, and I am not going to wear the t-shirt. You know, you have people who, uh, they're not forthright with all of their medical conditions. You have people who just get freak medical conditions. Uh, there was one person, I don't remember where he's from. He may have been Russian. Uh, I would have to take a lot of time to look it back up. But he was being treated because he developed a 
bowel obstruction. And, you know, he this, he was taken to the local hospital and they determined, yeah, he has a bowel obstruction. Here's the, here's the course of action we're going to take. So take him back to the detention center and, you know, then here's when we're going to start working through this. And he went downhill really quickly. This is not... This was not a decision that's necessarily made just by ICE. It was, you know, the doctors also advised and what they needed to do. But again, the Democrats—they take all of these deaths. They're taking—was it? I think it's twenty-four or so from two thousand seventeen to now. And they're holding it up as, oh, the Trump administration's so bad, blah, 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 blah. The last two years of the Obama administration had 32 deaths of illegal immigrants who were in ICE custody. Uh, Earlier this year, they were making a huge deal of a little girl who had died. She had gotten sepsis. She had some sort of other infection. She was treated, but they don't know how long she had that other illness, but she went septic. And they, you know, by the time they were able to diagnose it and try to start treating it with mass spectrum antibiotics to kill off whatever it was, it was, it was too late. Uh, there was a little boy earlier this year. Oh, he, he died in their custody. Well, he was he was picked up. Him and his father. And I love the article about it because they were held for hours. And they were not given food or hot meals. Well, yeah, they're being processed. And they were taken to a detention center the little boy started getting sick and they packed the little boy and his father up and they took him to the emergency room. Yeah, he's got the flu. He'll be, you know, we'll sit here till his fever breaks and, you know, he's feeling, feeling a little bit better. They take, they take him back and they stop at one of the interior checkpoints in New Mexico. If you ever drive through New Mexico, if you take uh, US 54 from, El Paso and head up towards Alamogordo and that direction, you will go through inland checkpoints, which I remember going through them in army truck loaded down with, ex- you know, I say explosives. It had ammunition. Yeah, there, there were some, uh, some Carl Gustav rounds that were HE, but you know, you know, going through these checkpoints, I didn't have a hazmat license. <sighs> oh my gosh! Don't tell anyone. But um, you know, and I go through them, and I'd always joke with the border guards. Yeah, we ain't got no Mexicans in here. Or hola, cómo está, fa? And yeah, they have laugh at it. The soldiers being goofy, but you know, they they take him, him and the dad to to this checkpoint, where you know, again, like. 
during the time they were at the detention center after being in processed, they got hot meals. And that's when they noticed the boy was starting to get sick again. He started throwing up. They did not have an EMT qualified person or a paramedic qualified uh, staffer at that checkpoint. So what did they do? They took him right back to the emergency room he'd just come from a few hours earlier. And there, the doctors tried to get his fever down, tried to stop the vomiting, but he just there was just nothing they could do, and he passed away. But, again, it's one of those, you actually read the circumstances, and there's a lot more to it than just, they didn't care and let them die. And it's, it's ridiculous that, you know, you have, you know, the AOCs, um, some of the, some of the, and all these other crazies on, on these subcommittees, they go on C-SPAN, they stand up and they point fingers and shout and make a, make an, make a spectacle of it. And again, there's people who commit suicides who they've never previously shown any kind of suicidal ideations. Uh, one of the people who committed suicide, he was a Vietnamese illegal immigrant. And you know, reading through his case history, he came here legally. He was a permanent resident. And then he was uh, charged and convicted of sexual assault. He was brought out of the prison system. In issue, you know, on a uh, on an ICE detainer, and was awaiting his deportation date, and he killed himself. You know, you would think the left would be all, all you know, cheering that one because here's a convicted uh, sexual assaulter who is now a dead sexual assaulter. But what a, whatever meets their whatever helps get their agenda across because, you know, a good story doesn't care about facts. And, and again, this is more of the same, you know, uh, Tom Homan, uh, he was former ice director under Obama and watching him just rip into Democrats, uh, from Friday, was absolutely amazing because here's a guy who he had been a green suitor on the border, actually working cases. Uh, you know, one of the things he talked about was going into a, a one of these semis that had been, you know, the people had been left there to suffocate, and a dad bawling his eyes out, holding the body of his dead son, who he who he and 17, 18 others all suffocated inside of that trailer because the, there was no air and there's, you know, nowhere to go. And uh, I, I, I just could not imagine having to be stuck in that situation. And I, I really wish, my wish is that the politicians would just get away from using this to try to push a point Remember that remember that they are human. 
that these are people. These are not numbers. These are not things, widgets, objects. You know, they're not footballs to be used on the political court, the political gridiron. Unfortunately, though, politicians are always going to do what politicians do. The left and the right. Eventually, the right's going to say, well, we care, but. Just like the left is saying right now, we care, but. And as long as either side can take illegal immigrants and either put them up on a pedestal and treat them like demigods to be hailed and worshipped, as the left does, or to be put into a pit and demonized and like the right does, eventually it's going to flip-flop, and the Democrats are going to say, well, we need to do something about it. And then Republicans who are supported by businesses who really, really love the cheap day labor that illegal immigrants provide, they're just going to say, well, you know, let's, we'll just do this, and we'll kick the can down the road. It's, and that's just all that's going to happen with these immigrant deaths. And, and you see the left do it constantly. They, they talk about the humanitarian crisis at the border. Humanitarian crisis at the border. Look at the way people are treated in these facilities. They don't have shampoo. They don't have toothbrushes, toothpaste. The Republicans go, okay, we agree there's a problem. Here's a spending package. Let's get it, let's get it through, get it signed. We'll get the money that we are borrowing. Let's get this money to ICE, to CBP, and we'll get it to the people. We'll, yeah, we'll get shampoo, we'll get baby diapers, we'll get feminine hygiene products. And, and then the left goes, oh no, my God, we can't do that. We can't, we can't fund these evil ICE agents. It's like, well, what the hell are you complaining about then? The, the, they're so disingenuous that it's 100% able to see through what their motives are, what they're doing. And frankly, they don't care. They only care about the image. That's the reason why you had, you know, AOC went and had her sad boo-boo face pictures taken in front at the chain link fence outside of an empty parking lot. Because if she cared, she would have gone in. And she would have had her, you know, CBP take pictures of her with the migrants. You will have seen her inside actually seeing what's going on. Instead, just like this whole thing has been about, all you see is political grandstanding and absolutely nothing being done by either side. And it is a crying dadgum shame.
And as I said earlier, uh, one of the things we're going to cover is the apparent implosion of the Democrats. Yay. Um, so, AOC has been calling out people on the Twitters. And so has her chief of staff, Mr. Saikot Chakrabarty. Uh, Saikot Chakrabarty is also a member of the Justice Democrats. That is the little political organization who helped get AOC elected or elected into office and to throw out uh, the former congressman from that district who has held that seat for 20 plus years. And it's funny because you know, I had to go into Twitter see the whole chain of events. Uh, Psychot Striker Barty had tweeted about uh, Congressman Sharice David, Congresswoman Sharice David. I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to misgender her. And, you know, he tweets about uh, Congresswoman David's, quote, I think the point still stands. I don't think people have to be personally racist to enable a racist system. And the same could even be said of the Southern Democrats. I don't believe Sharice is a racist person, but her votes are showing her to enable a racist system. End quote. And the House Democrats were not having any of that. This is from the actual at House Democrats Twitter account with the blue check mark, so it's verified. Quote, Who is this guy? And why is he explicitly singling out a Native American woman of color? Her name is Congresswoman Davids, not Sharice. She is a phenomenal new member who flipped a red seat blue. Keep her name out of your mouth. End quote. And yes, there was lots of hand claps in the middle of that. Hence the reason I was doing all the hand claps. And then, you know, Mr. Shakrabarty, who he came back and he, you know, blasted House Democrats. And it's just been an amazing back and forth to watch. Uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah. And it's so, so crazy to see that, you know, you have... The AOC essentially called Nancy Pelosi a racist. And even Donald Trump came out and said, Nancy is not a racist. And the rest of the Democratic caucus is just pillorying. That's a hard word to say. Pillory with an I-N-G on the end of it. Pillorying. And just absolutely piling all over uh, AOC, Ilan Omar, uh, Rashida Tlaib, just because, oh my, how dare you call the speaker a racist and or insist that they might possibly be a racist. It's, I, it's pure, pure beauty. And it's most 
natural form. Um, which, yeah, if a civil war opens up in the Democratic Party, you're going to see a lot of more moderate, and, and I use moderate loosely, uh, the not-quite-so-progressive progressives, I think this is a better way to say it, going to war with the uber-left, yeah, we're straight-up uh, democratic socialists, and what you going to do about it? You're going to see that war is going to be beautiful to watch. But really, but it's going to be fought not in the halls of Congress. It's going to be fought in the voting districts. Um, because you're going to start seeing uh, primary challenges from the from less extreme progressives and less extreme and more moderate liberals to take on these extreme left-leaning views and it's going to be an all-out war for those seats and over the ideology of the Democratic Party. Are they going to continue to be the you know be the turtles of communism just kind of poking along until we get to where Marx wants us to be and the proletariat overthrows the bourgeoisie? Or are they going to just, you know, be are the people going to keep voting for the ones who've done who've done you know doffed their turtle shell and are running at a full tilt towards Marx? Um, that I'm not a prognosticator. I don't study these trends. I'm just you know giving my view of it from my perspective, and I hope the common sense people prevail. In the left, you know, the ones who could say, well, we have we have this policy. And we know you don't agree with it, but we want to talk to you, you know, at least have a conversation. Kind of like Stacey Abrams and gun control. She just wants to have a conversation. Um, but. Yeah, this is what are the voters going to do? Uh here in 2020, that's going. That's really where we're going to see if the craziness that has been coming out in the left turns around to bites them in, and bites them in the butt. Because are the regular, normal, everyday Democrats, whom I like, whom I talk to, whom I will go out and drink a beer with, are they going? to endorse the insanity of the far left. And that's 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 something that re, re, you know yet remains to be seen. So uh hopefully hopefully they're willing to uh they're willing to take a step back from the ledge. Because I would hate to see you know People who I respect, people who I talk to, my neighbor's granddaughter-in-law. Absolute left-leaning, you know, hard left-leaning person. 
But even she will look at some of the AOC stuff like the uh, the Green New Deal and go, yeah, that's dumb. I understand the point, but it's dumb and it's too far. And those are the people that are going to save the Democrat Party. The ones who, they want to be as left as they can, but know there's a point. A point where you're no longer a Democrat. You are a straight-up socialist. So, hopefully in 2020, we start seeing those people start to prevail. Do you love what you hear on the Relentless Daring Podcast? Do you want to show the world your support for this podcast? This is Tyler from Relentless Daring asking you to go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash relentlessdaring and check out our merchandise there. We have t-shirts, hoodies, hats, coffee cups, travel mugs. Go there, check it out, and use it to show the world your love of this podcast. And as always, stay relentless. All right, getting back into it. Uh, yep. Every now and then, there's a story that everyone seems to miss. Um, in this case, I'm actually surprised that it was missed because it's actually kind of a big deal. Uh, one of the big things people talk about is how Congress has abdicated a ton of its power to the executive branch. Uh, we look at in the, the fact that the EPA can create environmental protection law as a, even though they're supposed to be an enforcement body, they can write their own regulations. Uh, and this is this case uh, did Congress give the Department of Justice, specifically the Attorney General, too much power in deciding what happens to a person's liberty. So this case it, it revolves is uh, Gundy versus United States. Uh, the defendant in this case, Herman Gundy, uh, he was convicted. He he was convicted sex offender, and. In his case, uh, so so, Gun so I'm reading from an article. This is actually it's a commentary from the American Conservative, uh, written by Trevor Burris. This article originally appeared again in American Conservative on June 28th, and here it is halfway through July. This and so this case was decided three weeks ago, and the original story was still two weeks old when I found it earlier this week. So, so Herman Gundy is a convicted sex offender. Uh, he was convicted under Maryland law for sexually assaulting a minor. His again, I'm quoting from the article. His conviction happened before Congress approved the Sex Offender Registration and Notification Act, SORNA, in 2006, 
But SORNA requires registration even for sex offenders who were convicted before it was passed. So that means it's an ex post facto law and should be ruled unconstitutional on that basis. But that's neither here nor there, nor the argument that was made in this case. Again, that's my commentary, not an article. So I pick up where I left off and lets the attorney general define which past offenders have to register. Certainly a broad delegation of legislative power to the executive branch. But that happens all the time, and as Alito pointed out, it's been 84 years since the Supreme Court held that Congress had over-delegated its constitutional responsibilities. In quote, um, so anyways, from that point, Gundy was moved by the Federal Bureau of Prisons to a halfway house in the Bronx. And because he failed to register when he moved to New York with the Bureau of Prisons to a halfway house where he is still technically under their custody, he was convicted under failing to register. And this is where it gets a little crazy. A lot of times you see these cases go before the Supreme Court there's amicus briefs from people from uh, think tanks and legal organizations and corporations, blah blah blah. Whoever's most interested has the most to gain out of a ruling being overturned, or in some cases, a ruling being upheld. But um. Herman Gundy had a public defender. And the public, not only did he have a public defender, let's see if I, it was, let's see, do, 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 do. You know, he, he uh, filed it, he filed the case, uh, uh, because he, I was, can't find the Latin phrase in the article, but basically, I like many people in America. He can't. He was unable to afford the the filing fees, which uh, from the article, roughly two thirds of the uh, of. Supreme Court cases the of the seven to eight thousand that are brought before the Supreme Court to be considered every year, roughly two thirds of them are people who are who've been in prison for a long time and have no money to their name. So they're you know can they're asking to file it without paying the filing fees. So okay. So here he is with a public defender. Ask anyone who's ever had to use a public defender in a criminal case, and they will tell you it was a waste of the government's dime. Don't get me wrong. 
I'm sure there are some great public defenders who ha- who invest a lot of their own money, which they really don't have a whole lot of because they are public defenders. And they devote their time, you know, their money or, well, the department's money as much as the, the public defender's office is willing to spend, you know, to represent people who may or may not be guilty. But you know, his, his, uh, his attorney filed a 20-page brief. And in it, uh, his attorney made the sensible argument that, wow, for some reason Siri was trying to pick up what I was trying to say. Weird. Gundy's attorney made the sensible argument that when someone is in custody, they shouldn't have to register, nor should they have to register when they're forced to move. Which, the first part I can see, you know, maybe being, you know, a good reason. Second part, eh, maybe not so much. They should still know if you're moving, you should still be able to say, hey, I'm moving. And, you know, again, quoting from from the article, those two reasons seemed on solid ground. The Hail Mary Pass was the third one. Whether Congress improperly delegated legislative authority to the Attorney General has been nearly a century since a delegation challenge worked, which is why this was such a long shot. Understandably, Gundy's lawyer devoted only the last page and a half end quote a page and a half over the biggest constitutionality portion of it and that's the one that worked and in that page and a half that she devoted towards the delegation she actually quoted a former 10th Circuit Court judge who had made a ruling based on over-delegation. <clears throat> and, and that 10th Circuit judge was none other than Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch. I guess if you want to get noticed, if you want your case to be noticed by the Supreme Court, you make reference to a ruling by one of these sitting justices. But fast forward to the end of it. Um, In his dissent, uh, Justice Gorsuch wrote, quote, that only the people's elected representatives may adopt new federal laws restricting liberty, end quote. Again, quoting the article, allowing the Attorney General to define which sex offenders must register under SORNA endows. And this quoting uh, the dissent from Justice Gorsuch, quote, the nation's chief prosecutor with the power to write his own criminal code governing the lives of, of a half million citizens, End quote. 
But the case isn't about sex offenders. It's about liberty because, again, quoting Neil Gorsuch, if a single executive branch official can write laws restricting the liberty of this group of persons, what does that mean for the next? End quote. Uh, that's a huge thing to consider that who may or may not have to go to prison over X, Y, or Z offense being left to one person in the executive branch and not actually being something voted on by Congress. You know, even if it's at the state level, you know, your state assembly, leaving it up to the governor who will or will not go to prison, who does or does not have to uh, meet this criteria upon release. That's a scary state of affairs if you stop and think about it. Uh, In the dissent, uh, he was joined by Clarence Thomas, not surprising, and Chief Justice John Roberts. Now, keep in mind, when this, when this case was argued before the Supreme Court, it was still only an eight-seat court because Justice Kavanaugh had not yet been uh, seated and com- or confirmed by the Senate. So he was unable to hear it, and, he, and having not heard the case, heard the arguments, and only just going off the briefs and transcripts of the original appearance, he decided that, in all fairness, he should recuse himself. And this is where it gets... uh, Justice Alito, he joined the the liberal wing of the court in upholding SORNA as it's written. However, he did write in his concurring opinion that he is not opposed to taking up and re-examining the the delegation issue. Which, you know, hopefully with, you know, Justice Alito's, you know, own writing in the concurrence of the majority and also with, you know, Neil Gorsuch's, you know, spiking the ball, so to speak, with the dissent. Maybe, maybe an overdelegation case comes up. Uh, maybe someone, you know, you know, in the whole drug war thing, maybe someone, you know, goes takes up the FDA ruling that marijuana it should be considered a Schedule One highly addictive substance. And gets and bring a check to overdelegation, or uh, any number of things, or the EPA. I I see honestly see an EPA case being brought up that some Clinton, Bush, or even Obama era EPA regulation that was done in house is brought up before the court and the court says no 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 it we're going to strike this down because it's not a law that was passed 
is not a punishment. It is not a yeah, it's not a punishment or a regulation that was passed by the Congress. It was you know a regul a regulatory body just coming up with regulation for the sake of it. So hopefully hopefully we uh, see another case like this in the next two or three years and we can see Congress start to get reined in when it comes to delegating their authority to the executive. All right, so to close out the podcast on a little bit of a jackassery note, how many of you have RSVP'd via Facebook that on September 20th, you're going to storm Area 51. That's right. Uh, on Facebook, someone started an event for uh, September 20th called Storm Area 51. They can't stop all of us. And it's a public event hosted by ship hosting because I'm in shambles. This is what the person actually is. I apologize for the language. Um, Yeah, so there's an event on Facebook. the, The person who set it up, they fully admit that this is not a real thing. Please, Air Force, do not hold me responsible if people get stupid and actually try to rush Area 51. But, um... So far, uh, the independent article I have says more than 600,000. However, I have heard that that number is closer to 1 million. But uh, reading this article from the independent, quote, over 600,000 people have signed up to an event to Storm Area 51, the top secret U.S. military base in the Nevada desert, in a quest to see them aliens. The event titled Storm Area 51, They Can't Stop All of Us, invites attendees to congregate en masse before entering the base together. Um, This is made clear by the reference to the highly classified military base as the Area 51 Alien Center Tourist Attraction. The organizer in the invitation said, if we Naruto run, we can move faster than their bullets. Let's see them aliens. Which, okay, uh, going into my own commentary here. For anyone who's not familiar in the world of anime, Naruto is a... Starts off as a child learning to be a ninja, and the Naruto run is... Basically, you put your head down, arms behind your back, and run straight forward as fast as you can. And hopefully, uh, you have the crazy ninja ability to outrun bullets. Or deflect them when they hit you when you're Naruto running full force at them. But, um... Let's see here. Uh... Reading further, the mysterious and heavily guarded Area 51 has been at the center of numerous conspiracy theories for decades with supposed connections to humanoid alien life forms and their supposed spaceships. It's featured in the 1996 alien invasion film Independence Day. 
It was only formally recognized as a military base in 2013 following a 2005 Freedom of Information Act request. And, you know, uh, this is just silliness. Um, do I think anyone is going to try to rush the the border of Area 51? No. Do I think a lot of people will gather in the crossroads of Rachel, Nevada and dump a crap ton of money into the Little A.L.A. Inn? Perhaps. Hopefully that little restaurant makes money off this. Um, they deserve it. And if people are dumb enough to go to Rachel, Nevada and, you know, start buying crap from the, you know, from the little tourist trap store they have, they do, they deserve to lose all the money they spend. And again, I don't... Now, who knows? Maybe the Air Force be like, yeah, well, we'll, we'll let them in. But we have these things called... Uh, a ten warthogs and they 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 have the fart of God on their side. If you've never been around an A ten warthog that is firing its thirty millimeter chain gun, it literally goes. Brrr. The plane has to go into a downward trajectory because it shoots so many rounds so fast. That it will, it can actually push against the engines and cause the plane to stall. It's a brilliant masterpiece of an aircraft. Granted, it's ugly as all hell, but if you've ever, ever had use for combat air support from an A-10 Warthog, hearing the BERT is the greatest, greatest sound you'll ever hear on a battlefield. But no, I don't think that the Air Force will really turn loose armed A-10s on a citizenry that is doing nothing other than, you know, trying to see what is being hidden from them. And, and, and I understand, I mean, you know, Area 51 is where they tested the F-117 stealth fighter and the B-2 stealth bomber. You know, there, and there's a reason, because it's out in the middle of nowhere. So, oh, I'll be, I'll be kind of curious. Uh, check out September 20th and see how many people actually try to... You know, how many people show up in Rachel. Again... Even the person who created the group acknowledges that, no, her n this is a joke. Please, Air Force, don't be mad at me. Please don't hold me responsible. If anyone does anything stupid on my account, please. But we'll see. Again, wow, Jack Assery. Well, that's going to wrap up another episode of the podcast. To all my listeners out there who've tuned in for every episode, if you can even 
say tuned in anymore. It's not a radio. For those of you who have been downloading all the episodes and listening to them or streaming them online, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming to it and listening. For those of you checking out the podcast for the first time, please stick with it. Um, you know, the more people listen to it, the better off. You know, it gets the numbers up. It helps the algorithms make it more accessible to people. And speaking of making it more accessible to people and helping with the algorithms, if you go on iTunes, rate it, review it, subscribe, and share. That way, the more you know, the more subscribers there are, the more people sharing it, the more people rating it and reviewing it. It makes the it makes the algorithms pick it up better. That way, it helps more people discover it, and we all get gets more people rattling around in the barren wasteland that is my brain. Again, podcast available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and as always, my gracious host over at Podbean.com. Also, to help support the podcast, if you want to help support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash relentlessdaring and sign up to be a patron. Uh, right now, I have one, one patron. Ah, 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 ah. But it's cool. Um, I'm working on launching a website, and that one patron is going to pay for the website. Thank you. Thank you so very much. I love you. And also... Go if you also want to buy relentless daring merchandise, go to oh this is a mouthful. I'm going to make sure I tweet it out. Uh, go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash relentless hyphen daring. Yeah, I know it's 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 a lot to remember. But you can go there. Uh, we have men's and women's t-shirts, hoodies, travel cups, or travel mugs, coffee cups. Check it out. Uh, as, yeah, you know, we've got one design up right now with uh, the Relentless Daring Truth, Justice, Jackassery, and with the RD logo on it. Again, as always, thank you for listening, and remember to stay relentless. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 